Welcome to season two of the Own Your Creativity podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Johnston. This new series of episodes is designed to support writers and authors who want to take the next step in creating a business around their writing. Whether you are an aspiring author or already published, these episodes provide information and context to support you in your growth as an entrepreneur. In the coming shows, you'll hear from marketing and sales specialists, health coaches, networking experts, and a lot more. Other exciting things are happening at Own Your Creativity, too. I know many of you have written articles or blogs and stories about your life, but maybe haven't had the courage to press, publish, or send. Maybe you wonder if anyone is really interested in your writing, or if you even have enough life experience or expertise to write anything at all. Some of you have actually had the courage to send your writing out into the world, only to have it come back to you, boomerang style, and you don't know why. It's for those exact doubts and reasons that I put together a one-day virtual retreat that will help you improve your writing and go from doubt to doing it. It's called Liberate the Polish and Publish Story Retreat. It happens on July 25th, and there are limited spaces. You can find out more about it at bit.ly forward slash polish publish. Plus, there is a special bonus for early bird registrants, personalized feedback during their retreat on one of your stories or articles. To get this bonus, which is worth more than the price of the retreat itself, all you have to do is register by July 10th at 5 p.m. Eastern by going to bit.ly forward slash polish publish. There's really never been a better time than now to up-level your skills and be the writer you were always meant to be. Here's a brief clip from one of my clients. So before I go on, I just want to mention that in case you guys you didn't know, Elizabeth was, uh, I used her as a writing coach for my first book. And I think it was a session of two hours, right? Was it two or three? I don't remember. Three, three, three. hours. But in three hours, I knew exactly how my book was going to be done because you know how you have a bunch of ideas and you don't know how to start where to start how do i start a freaking book you know you like you know i'm not an author um so the three hours that i spent with this elizabeth isn't why i have books out it's because i worked with her so if you know if you have a book in mind you you know you're thinking about telling your story of course when you have a book out even like angelique it gives her a little bit more credibility right she has a book so um three hours with elizabeth is the only reason why i have books out on amazon i'm elizabeth johnston author podcaster and story coach and i invite you to own your creativity so that you can take the lead in your life now is the time elevate yourself out of the mundane and into what counts. And now here is today's episode. Hello everybody, Elizabeth Johnston here of Own Your Creativity and I'm delighted today to be talking with Lisa Pivo, a healer about creativity and COVID. Can you tell us when you knew that you were a healer? When did you realize that? Can you tell us that story? Wow, I think it was probably when I was, um... I was four years old. I, I went and told my dad, um, daddy, don't eat that meat. It's bad for your heart. And please don't drink that Coke. It's bad for your blood. And I, I was always on at him. And um, I think, yeah, that it started when I was four. Um, before that, even, I think when um, my twin sister was going down the broken canal, and um, she had an umbilical cord wrapped around her, um, her neck. 
and I think that that was the I couldn't help her and I came out with this knowing that I had to heal that I had to heal the world I had to heal my world and so my failure was with my dad because <laughs> let's face it nobody uh gets their uh, family <laughs> to uh, to stand on their own um, and follow their uh, advice a lot of the time. So um, it's always good to have a, a third party. And um, when I was 18, I said, uh, Dad, I, I'm done talking about this. Um, I really want you to uh, to to stop i can't i can't i can't help you anymore you're beyond any kind of any kind of help in terms of the damage is done and when you have a heart attack and get diabetes there's nothing i can do so don't call me <laughs> basically was what i said to him and uh and so obviously when i was 22 he um he did have a heart attack and he did get diabetes and um my stepmom phoned and asked for advice and I said he's not going to take it from me so yeah phone my friend she'll give him the same advice I gave him and maybe he'll follow it and thank god he did and he lasted another 40 years wow. so yeah yeah I think that the point that you bring up about you know a third party or an outside party is often the best way to help our families because sometimes they just don't listen to it and I know moms often have this struggle you know they tell their kids to do X Y or Z and it just like goes in one ear and out the other you know but if they're if there's somebody else that they that they respect um, or that you know uh, reduces the stress of listening you know because it, it there probably is a lot of like stress and um, angst around you know following instructions when you haven't been and and, and probably shame and guilt too, you know? So all those things are kind of uh, removed when there's an outside objective party that's, that's helping, helping people. Absolutely, absolutely. And so even though you realize like in the birth canal that you were a healer, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that when, when you grow up that you're going to have that as your business and you're going to be a healer. So what was it that, made you decide like instead of like I don't know going to law school or becoming an actress or whatever like why did you you know grow up and say yeah no this is you know I, I, I since I was in the birth canal and since four years old and I'm still gonna do it uh, when I was 15 I'd had a headache for a really long time um, I was coming home every day with headaches and um, my mom eventually asked me like how long have you had these headaches and I was, I stood there and I was like, uh, about three years. <laughs> oh, and uh, she was like, oh. And so she took me to the hospital and a medical doctor sat me down and said, um, you've had a genetic disease in your heart since you were born. And um, that, uh, it was caused by a virus that we can't cure and you have to be on this medication for the rest of your life so at 15 I said to him what are the side effects of that medication and he said well um, you can bleed from your eyes and your ears and your nose and um, oh yeah if you do that like come to hospital immediately and 
um, oh yes, death is one of the side effects. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> so I went on my own healing journey. I, I kind of, um, I started searching, my mom started searching separately for me. Um, we were doing it together sometimes, but I managed to find a medical doctor, alternative medical doctor in um, Scotland of all places um, that dealt specifically with the heart. And he gave me hope. He, he, he basically gave me alternative medications um, to help my heart. And after three days of taking those meds, my heart um, started behaving better. And so I was, my headaches stopped. Wow. And, um, and I was like, wow, okay. He had said he can't help me with the chronic virus and the chronic fatigue virus. Um, but that uh, he knew people that had actually booted with alternative medicines. And um, so I had some hope, I had a way. So basically what I did is I went after every single modality out there um, that I could possibly find. Some I just dipped my toes or fingers into and some I deep dived and became accredited therapist and, um, and so on. I, I started a BSc majoring in psychology, physiology and genetics. And I just kept going until I'd had about 291 different therapies under my belt. And by that point, I was helping other clients because I'd learned enough <laughs> and I had this innate ability. And um, yeah, so I was just um, beautifully on that journey. And that's why I started um, helping other people because mostly, the medical profession is all that people know mm -hmm. um, and even if they know a little bit about alternative healing they don't know enough to really help themselves mm -hmm. and i truly believe that me like medical professionals can get you so far they might be able to diagnose they can give you drugs that are toxic to your system um, but they can't really tell you what's going on inside your own body you're the one that's trying to tell them that and the way I work is completely opposite to that. I tell you what's going on inside, what your body is telling me. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I work from there. So how does that yeah. process work? How do you listen to what the body of the person that you're trying to help is telling you? How, how do you do that? I do it in a number of different ways, but the biggest way I use a medical device, it's a frequency medicine machine. And basically I send frequencies to the body, much in the same way as a radio sends frequencies out and the radio picks it up. And I use the electromagnetic field to send and receive those frequencies. And once that's been done, I can, um, I, I've done the test, there's over 11,000 frequencies that have been sent to you and your body has respo um, response. So if you, if a response once, it comes back in yellow, if a response twice, it comes back in red, um, purple. If it's response three or more times, it comes back in red. And I'll only start treating um, something that comes back over a hundred times. Because I'll give you an example. If you have, um a flu let's say coming in then 
um, at 100, you have no symptoms, no signs. There's not even sneezing. You don't even know you have it yet. So you can see things that are coming in before they get there. At about 150, some people at 140, some people at 160, I start seeing um, flu symptoms. That's when most people start sneezing, coughing, get body aches. At about 200, you'll have bronchitis. At 300, pneumonia. 400, lung collapse. So I can gauge very clearly where somebody's at and exactly how far um, their body has gone down the path of dis-ease and, um, and then the process that I need to work on to bring it back. And then I use whatever modalities that body is saying it needs. So for example, some people prefer Chinese herbal medicine. Other people prefer doctor's medication. Other people prefer homeopathics or herbal medication. And so, um, and so on. Yeah. So I. Yeah, go ahead. I give them what their body asks for. From okay. That That's what I was going to ask you. Is it what the body is asking for or what they think that they need? Like if they came to you and said like, well, I, I want homeopathic or I want Chinese, like, or, or but it's from the yeah. body. It's from the body. It's, to, it's the body talking to the device and the device talking to the body. It works much in the same way as if, if you were to walk into a room and somebody were angry in the room, you would know, right? Even if they weren't facing you, you would know because yeah. you would feel it, right? Right. You would feel it in your body. And so much in the same way, um, the machine is sending and receiving that information because we are natural senders and receivers of frequency, frequency um, on every single level, on an emotional, on a mental, on a physical, and on an energetic level. And so um, you've heard a lot about 5G. Is that going to uh, interfere with your ability to receive um, the message, the you know, the signals from from your clients, or how is that going to affect it? Do you think? It won't affect it at all because um, the the device is a it picks up each person's unique frequency signal, uh, much like tuning into a radio. So as long as I've ha I have a photo of the person mm -hmm. and they filled in the treatment questionnaire, I can send and receive frequencies to them no matter where they are in the world. Yeah. Wow. Have you have had um, situations where? Um, that were really challenging, like maybe you know you, they they you prescribed this modality, but then the situation didn't resolve itself, and you had to try something else. Was there are um, there are certain like the chronic fatigue that I had to deal with. There are certain ones that are more challenging because they have um, lots of different aspects to them. So, for example, a chronic fatigue will only show itself once there's been some sort of emotional trauma. So there's always that link. It resides and is stored inside the spinal column um, and it becomes active and dormant, depending on what's going on inside the body, how, how strong the immune system is, and um, lots, of, lots of different 
things like that. So if you are, um, if you're working on somebody, you have to work on lots of different levels. You have to work on the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the energetic um, level for certain diseases. Others are really simple. Like Friday last week, I had somebody who had been throwing up for 15 hours. That was really easy. Um, I figured out it was a poison. I, uh, I gave her the treatment for the poison, the anti-treatment, the anti-frequency for that poison. I figured out exactly what had caused it, what poison it was, told us not to take it again, <laughs> obviously. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then it was a medicine as far as she was concerned, but it was poison for her. Mm. So, um, and then obviously she was dehydrated. I told her if she doesn't get rehydrated, she's going to actually get an epileptic fit. So she needs to get rehydrated if she can't, keep anything down she needs to go to the hospital even if it's in corona time she has to go to the hospital and get a drip because this is what i'm seeing right yeah so yeah on every level and sometimes it's simple yeah yeah so you just mentioned covid and and uh, the topic today is creativity and covid so i'm wondering if you could speak to the connection between uh the, those two things for us I think that, you know, COVID-19 is something that separates everybody. Um, the way it's been handled, it's everyone's in isolation, no one's allowed to touch, no one's allowed to hug, no one's allowed. And we are, we are social beings. Um, and when you create the amount of fear that has been created around something, even, even if it's not real, even if it's not true, um, you, you shut down certain parts of the brain, start shutting down, and cortisol level rises, um, your stress level rises, your autoimmune system starts functioning on overdrive, your adrenals start functioning on overdrive, and you go into flight or fight mode and you become like the deer in the headlights because there's nowhere to flee so you end up just stuck in paralysis and um procrastination mm. yeah 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 so i i'm seeing a lot of creatives um just not i mean they've got all this time extra time <laughs> they wouldn't have they don't have to go to work necessarily unless they work from home. But they've got all this extra time. The time that it was spent getting to and from work, they, they have. Um, if they don't have kids, they've got an enormous amount of time. But they're not doing anything with that time as a result of um, just being stuck in, firstly, their mindset, and secondly, the fear um, block is the, yeah. So I'd, I'd like to, you know, um, talk a little bit more about like the fear and the mindset and like how, how you would, um, you know, treat somebody who came to you and said like, you know, usually I, I'm on track and, but I am procrastinating. I, you know, I, I can't focus. Um, and, and maybe we could talk about that or did you want to maybe, um, have somebody, uh, volunteer? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I yeah. mean, if either one of you, Mark or Angelique, have yeah. any fears 
that you would like to work on, I'd be happy to just um, do, do some work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Sure. Awesome, Angelique. Oh, well, cool. Okay. So what kind of fears do you have? Um, well, right now I'm working on building my coaching business and my number one fear is that I'm going to fail at it and that people won't buy my coaching services and I've invested all this money for nothing. Right. Okay. Can I, I write stuff down. Okay. Um, so it's fear of failure, you think? I don't know if it's fear of failure or fear of success. It's, it's they're one edge of the thing. Yeah, the same, it's, like, it's, like, it's like having all this knowledge, but then being afraid, well, what if I do sell my service to someone? And okay, that would be great. But then what if, what if I can't get them the results they're looking for? Like, what if I'm, you know, that whole fraud thing, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. new and I'm, and what if I, I really nail this marketing thing and I bring people in, I do consult with them and they hire me. Well, now, am I able to give them the service that they're looking for? Can I get, help them get the weight loss results they're looking for? Can I help them get the health that they're looking for? And now hearing you talk about the healing thing is like, wow, she can do this really cool stuff. I can't do that. How am I going to help them? <laughs> you know? We can send them to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so, um, all right. So then it's, it's fear of not being, being a fraud. Maybe. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. Not being good enough. Like thinking I'm better than I actually am. Mm -hmm. And someone's going to figure that out. <laughs> and what's even in the heart of feeling not good enough? Um, Maybe because, like, I, I know that I can help someone else with their weight, but then, some, but then, because I've, I've lost 50 pounds in my first year of menopause, I know all this stuff, I know the whole health thing, um, but sometimes I have a hard time walking that walk, and feeling mm -hmm. like, well, if I don't do what I know they should be doing, well, maybe I shouldn't be telling them what they should be doing, you know? Well, you know, like, I know my client shouldn't be drinking alcohol, but I struggle not drinking it, or... You know, I know they shouldn't be having cookies, <laughs> but then something if they're around, I might get into them, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so if you were to feel the not good enough in your body, where would it be? Where would it be? It's not in my heart. It's not in my gut because my gut tells me that I am good enough. I think I just get caught in my brain, in my head that says, it's in the head, it's in the head. Okay. So if you were to deep dive into your head, into that not good enough, how old were you or are you when you feel that way, not good enough, like a fraud? It's funny, that you, it's funny that you bring that up. I was thinking about this yesterday 
the time that I was, I was sweeping the basement floor when I was, oh, I don't know, maybe five or something, or maybe it was a bit older, but I remember sweeping it and I was so proud of myself. I guess I'm gonna surprise my parents, I'm gonna sweep up the floor. My dad comes downstairs, he said, you're kicking up a bunch of dust and he grabbed the broom out of my hand and said, bugger off, I'll do it. Like, or the time I would come home with really good grades, it was like a 98% and he would ask me what happened to the other 2%. Mm. really yeah it was always like yeah. that yeah yeah I feel that I feel that okay so that little girl what resources would she need to to have in order um to realize that it's her dad's stuff ah what would she need i don't know um Can I suggest something? Yeah, please, because I can't think of anything. <laughs> Unconditional love. Mm, that would be nice. <laughs> so see it like a balloon and just breathe that in. Mm. Yeah. Anything else? That I would need? I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe an understanding that, that that's the way his dad treated him. Yeah. Understanding. Good. Breathe that one in. And knowing that he didn't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. That he just didn't know how to express how proud he was of me. Okay. So breathe that in. So I want you to also breathe in, go to your dad, see him, almost see him as his best self, the part of him that was so proud of his little girl for trying and for doing so well, the part of him that couldn't express that part of him. And go give him a hug. And just feel all those pieces of him entering you. Every single cell, every molecule in your whole body is just filled with that love, that understanding that knowing, that pride that your father had for, for you, in you, and that feeling of you are good enough.
and tell me when that's done. Mm. Feels good. <laughs> now grow up with all these things inside you and come back to now. Yeah. And take a look at your business with these new eyes, these fresh eyes. Mm. You're so beautiful. <laughs> Isn't you radiant, Elizabeth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So powerful. Thank you. Thank you. That was really powerful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, so for people who are watching this later, can you suggest something that they can do to bring themselves back to their creative self during this, this time of COVID? If there's, if there's one thing that they do that can help them get back to their creative self. There's a powerful process and it's, it's a really, really simple one. You pretend to be a child going on an adventure. So you walk outside with no shoes on. If you find a puddle, you stomp it. <laughs> if you find a flower, you pick it. And you lie on your back on the grass and you look at the clouds and the sky and the sun and you're just like there in that moment. COVID's not there. Unless you have COVID. <laughs> wow, um, that's great. That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. I think we need to we need to get back to that sense of play because that is where our creativity resides. It's in that sense of wonder and awe and play. And yeah, that's really powerful. Thank you. That's welcome. There's one more thing. When you go back inside and you sit down to write the book or paint the painting or whatever it is you're doing that is creative, before you start, be grateful. The chair you're sitting in is supporting you. The air you're breathing is allowing you to live. The, the whole universe is here just for you right now in this moment. And you get to be who you are and express that through whatever creative modality you're using at that given time. I'm doing exactly what I'm here to do. So you can do what you are born to do. Wow. That's giving me shivers. That's so powerful. <laughs> wow. Thank you. 
So how can people get in touch with you? What's the next step if they want to take it further with you? Elizabeth, I'm going to um, send you uh, a link um, that you could send out to everybody uh, together with the recording. Otherwise, um, they can go to lisapivo.com forward slash healing. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You'll find all the links mentioned in today's interview at bit.ly forward slash the OYC podcast. To find out more about Liberate, the Polish and Published Story online retreat, go to bit.ly forward slash Polish Publish.